And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Everyone, I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll conclude the Bob Hope Show with guests Arthur Lake and Penny Singleton from 1938. Then it's a Christmas time tale well calculated to keep you in suspense, starring Bill Lipton from 1959. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Last time we began listening to Bob Hope, a good Christmas show, so let's go back to December 20th, 1938. Bob Hope welcomes his special guests, Arthur Lake and Penny Singleton. Here's the Bob Hope Show. You're just in time to help us trim the tree Okay, wait till I hang up my coat uh, Wait a minute, Bob That's a Christmas tree The hall tree's out there oh, Maybe it would be better if you trimmed the hall tree instead <laughs> Oh, no, no That was our Christmas tree last year Yeah you know, That's how we got a hall tree this year That was Dagwood's idea I guess there must be some truth in that saying Clever men make good husbands <laughs> Don't be silly Clever men don't become husbands <laughs> You've been married, Bob Yeah, well, wait a minute Well, anyway, I'm glad I came over to spend a nice, quiet Christmas Eve with you Say, that reminds me, how come Baby Dumpling is so quiet tonight? Oh, we have a new system When he's good, we let him listen to the Lone Ranger I suppose when he's bad, you make him listen to Bob Hope Oh, no, he's never that bad (laughs) Dang, take that dag out of my bag (laughs) You shouldn't insult our guests Why don't you use your head for a change? <laughs> Sounds like you'll have to use more than that for a change. <laughs> well, it's a wet Christmas anyway. Hey, be quiet, Daisy. Oh, so that's Daisy. Does he bark very much? Only until 10 o'clock. Then he goes to sleep. Yeah, well, what happens if a burglar comes at midnight? Oh, we don't like to disturb Daisy, so I just kick Dagwood. You kicked Dagwood? Yeah, and he sits up and barks. <laughs> yeah, just like this. Pretty clever, huh? Yeah. If you could jump through a hoop, I could get you six weeks at the Orpheum. Come in. Oh, Merry Christmas. I'm here to tune the piano. Oh, but we haven't got a piano. Uh, that's all right. We brought one along. Wheel her in, boys! <laughs> That's Bob. Do you mind if music and everything? Do you mind if I help trim the trees? All right, but be careful going up the ladder. It's a little flimsy. Flimsy? This is the first time I ever tried to climb a Venetian blind. <laughs> Come in. Merry Christmas. We're from the If You Got Them, We'll Get Them Termite Exterminator. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but mister, we haven't got any termites That's what you think Come on, boy Hey, what's the big idea of tearing down our wall? Listen, buddy, you can't be subtle with termites Come in Homestead, I've come for the rent Oh, the rent Look, Mr. Scrooge, it's Christmas Eve Well, Merry Christmas And I still want my rent Look, mister, give these people a little time And I'll let you have two pay- tickets for the Pepsodent show I'm looking for money, not sleep <laughs> Say, what's that? Oh, that's just Baby Dumpling He loves to celebrate the 4th of July Fourth of July, but it's Christmas now Yeah, but how long will it last? And besides, are you going to let a little thing like the calendar interfere with Baby Dumpling's happiness? Yeah, wait till the Fourth of July, I'll think of an answer for that <laughs> There he goes again, isn't he cute? Yeah <laughs> Any minute now, I expect to see Edward G. Robinson shooting back <laughs> Yeah, I hope he doesn't try to light them all at once Oh, no, he wouldn't do anything as foolish as that He takes after his father <laughs> And now Bob Hope brings you his interpretation of that song favorite, Old Man Mose. The scene, a lonely country road. Say, uh, Goodwin, I don't like to complain, but it was a silly idea to wrap our lunch in a road map. I have a TL for you. I think we're lost. (laughs) Now listen, Bob, we are not lost. I've been following Route 88 on the map for the last half hour. Just as I thought, that isn't Route 88, that's a piece of spaghetti <laughs> Well, what if we are lost? This is wonderful, riding along in the great outdoors I feel like a king <laughs> I just abdicated <laughs> You know, I knew I should never have gotten into this camp carefree on wheels <laughs> Listen, you didn't call it that when you sold it to me well, things could be worse. At least here we are in the bright California sunshine. Here we are in the bright California sunshine. Bob, don't look now, but the sunshine is leaking through the roof. <laughs> Gee, Bill, it's pouring cats and dogs. <laughs> Bob, I think we're stuck in the mud. Yeah, step out and take a look, Bill. You're wearing high-button shoes. <laughs> Say, we're in luck. Here, here comes somebody down the road. Maybe he can tell us where we can get shelter. I'll talk to him. Hello, young fella. Hello. <laughs> well, Glucose Fripp, what are you doing around here? I'm a traveling salesman, and I'm doing pretty well. I sell all day, and I sell all night. Boy, do I sell. <laughs> well, what are you selling, Glukey? Oh, <laughs> I'm selling stuff. <laughs> yeah, what kind of stuff? Oh, <laughs> just stuff. <laughs> Yeah, but what kind of stuff are you selling today? (laughs) Mosquitoes Mosquitoes? Who buys mosquitoes? Nobody Then why do you sell them? Because there ain't no competition (laughs) But you can't make any money I know it (laughs) Last week I didn't even make five dollars Which is pretty good even for me not to make (laughs) If you're real careful, you'll just about not be able to make a living (laughs) That's the way I figure (laughs) Besides, it takes my mind off my worries (laughs) What have you got to worry about? Oh, (laughs) all kinds of stuff (laughs) 
and we're back to that again. Look, Lukey, we want shelter. Don't you want to get dry? <laughs> nope. Why not? I'm dopey. You're dopey. Well, I'm Snow White. <laughs> Gee, you sure are pretty. <laughs> Look, never mind the flattery. Are there any houses around here? Yep. Can you show us where? Yep. <laughs> but it won't. Why not? I'm no stool pigeon. Bob, never mind. There's a house right over there. Yeah, but it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I like him better that way. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Bob. That's the house right over there. This is a pleasant little place, Goodwin. It looks like Tobacco Road with a hangover. <laughs> Don't be frightened, Bob. Ring the bell. All right. <laughs> Number six on the hit parade. <laughs> Gosh, Bob, look at that face staring through the window. Yeah, I'm not sure, Bill, but I think death just took another holiday. <laughs> oh, hello, lady. Sorry, we don't want any more bodies. <laughs> but look, lady, we're just whack. We're not dead. What are you bet? <laughs> well, who are you? <laughs> during the night, I'm the housekeeper here. Yeah, well, what do you do during the day? I model shrouds. <laughs> well, uh, can you take care of us for the night? <laughs> we'll take care of you all right. Just follow me. <laughs> Bob, look at all those white hammocks over there in the corner. Hammocks, those are cobwebs. Brace up, Bill. <laughs> what are we, mice or men? Well, I don't know about you, Bob, but I could certainly go for a nice piece of cheese right now. <laughs> Are you the Bob Hope of the radio? Why, yes. How did you know? I know everybody who haunts houses. <laughs> nice cheery place. This is going to be as gay as a weekend at the morgue. <laughs> oh, just listen to that laugh. Yeah, I wish you were coming from the audience. <laughs> Say, miss, are there really ghosts in here? Ghosts? That's not the laundry you see up there. <laughs> up where? Oh, Bill, Bill, Bill! Bill isn't here. Well, who are you? Just a ghost. A, g a ghost? <laughs> but I don't see you. Where's your white sheet? Shh. I'm a nudist. <laughs> Say, Bill, where are you? Here, Bob. Are you all right? Yeah, but these ceilings are awfully low. Well, they'll be okay after your hair lays down. <laughs> Say, miss, do a lot of people stop off here? Oh, yes. Marie Antoinette came here one night, and we just talked our heads off. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. What's the matter? I'm getting a message from the spirit world. <laughs> what do they say? They'll give you Duke and seven points. <laughs> I'll take it. Attention all ghosts. Attention all ghosts. Better put on your rubber sheets. It's raining. Bob, look at that ghost over there. He's jumping up and down. What's that? He's jumping up and down. He's probably got ants in his sheets. Bob Hope, 
Yes? I think I'll come over there and tear you to pieces and then jump on you and just stamp on your nose. <laughs> Say, who is this? Oh, just a monster. <laughs> Wait a minute, a monster? Oh, yes, didn't you know? The devil is a sissy! <laughs> Frankenstein is going to finishing school. Come in. in. You have ghosts here? Yes, we have. Well, if my father comes in, hang on to him, will you? I've been looking for him for 300 years. Who are you? Hamlet. <laughs> Say, what goes on around here? What's the matter, hatchet face? The phantom is coming. Listen. Greetings, Gate. Let's evaporate. <laughs> Say, Bill, Bill, I can see right through him. Ah, yes, Gate. The ghost is clear. <laughs> Are you really a ghost and uh, an honest to goodness specter? Yes, Knave. And you didn't expect to inspect a specter, did you, Inspector? <laughs> I can understand why you didn't live long. Mine was a short life, but a merry one. At an early age, I moved to a metropolis, and life began. Ah, metropolitan life. <laughs> can I interest you in some life insurance? Look, are you the only ghost in your family? Ah, no. My sister was a skeleton in the closet. Sort of a chambermaid to Moors. Yes, indeed. My entire family was very interested in spiritualism. In fact, as my father was very fond of spirits, once said, quote, Unquote. <laughs> Say, ghost, would you mind telling me how you haunt a house? It's very simple. First, you hide in the closet. Then you put your hand out slowly, like this. And grab a throat. Then you squeeze tighter and tighter. Help! I'm choking myself to death! <laughs> Can I help you, master? Who are you? I'm the former Miss Fitch, the Wichita Witch. Ah, yes, you have a twin sister I can never tell which witch is which Well, I've got loads of money I'm the rich witch That sounds to me like a switch, witch And this sounds to me like something I'm sorry I started Say, I'm getting out of here Not so fast, Gates Ah, the clock strikes twelve as it strikes, you should all disappear one by one. Bob, can he do that to us? Of course not, Bill. I'll start on that facsimile of a man over there. Who, me? Yes, that pair of teeth surrounded by commercials. <laughs> Mumbo Jumbo, disappear. So long, Goodwin. <laughs> it's a chilling experience, I tell you. Eerie, isn't it? Eerie! Eerie! Help! I'm in Pennsylvania! <laughs> And now the former Miss Fitch disappears. Farewell, my bewitching beauty. So long, Fitch! So long, Fitchy. And now for you. Hey, wait a minute, Phantom. You can't make me disappear. Why not? Do you realize that if I disappear, America will be deprived of the Pepsodent show? Ah, yes! You're welcome, America. <laughs> Thanks for the memory. And as we bid adieu, the sponsor, cast, and crew, and I all join in wishing best of Christmas time to you. And thank you so much. 
Thanks for the memory of Singleton and Lake. Your Dagwood Blondie team was just as grand to work with as to see upon the screen. And thank you so much. Here's a tip to all you Christmas shoppers. Buy a gift for yourself while it's early. Treat your friends to a smile bright and pearly. Bright smiles are sent by Pepsodent. Excuse me, Bob, but who's going to be with us next week? Well, Bill, next week we're going to have with us that great radio team, Lum and Abner. We're really going down to Pine Ridge with them. Then we'll have Skinny Ennis and his band, our six hits and a miss, Jerry Colonna and Bob Hope. Thank you, Bill Goodwin. Good night, ladies and gentlemen, and may I wish you a Merry Christmas on behalf of the sponsor, Cash and Food. Until next Tuesday night at the same time, the Pepsodent Company bids you good night. Bill Goodwin speaking. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's the Bob Hope Show from December 20th, 1938. A good Christmas show starring Bob Hope with his special guests, Arthur Lake and Penny Singleton. That was sponsored by Pepsodent, as heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's suspense. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. Do you love classic radio shows? The Jack Benny Program. X-Minus One. Suspense. Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. Check out our website at hollywood360radio.com. All right, time now for a terrific Christmas episode of Suspense. This stars Bill Lipton in a Korean Christmas carol. This is Suspense. And now... 
Another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. The time, Christmas 1958. The place, Korea. The story, A Korean Christmas Carol. Written for suspense by George Bamber. Sounds good, doesn't it? They hear kids singing, I mean. I can't understand the language, but I know what they mean. They sound so fresh and full of promise, almost as if they knew. But uh, then I'm getting ahead of myself. The name's Connolly, PFC Larry Connolly. I'm a soldier in Korea. I was sent here just about a year ago, this time. And that's where this strange story begins. Christmas, 1958. Christmas was, for me, that year miserable. I've been stuck on guard the night before, and so I planned to stay in bed the next day and forget about Christmas. I hadn't counted on my first sergeant. Since I was the first man he came to in the barracks, it's only logical that I should be the man he picks to drive a truck all the way to Seoul and back. It was night by the time I got on the road headed back from Seoul. It started to snow. Big flakes coming down soft at first, then so thick and fast I could hardly see. That's the first portion of Suspense. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to suspense. I was just over that first range of mountains. I was starting on the twisting, slippery way down when I saw him. The sight of him scared me wide awake. He was standing bareheaded, the wind whipping the snow and his hair around his face. When he raised his thumb, I had the strangest feeling he'd been expecting me. Almost as if it were unnecessary. As if he knew I'd stop. You want a lift? I'm going as far as Camp Santa Barbara. Where's that? You mean where's that? Everybody knows where Camp Santa Barbara is. Don't stand there with the door open. Hop in. All right. Well, you picked a lousy place to hitchhike. Just didn't stop. Oh, thanks. Happened to your gloves. Your hands look half frozen. Gloves? Well, I uh, must have lost them. Must have, don't you know? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, sure, I must have left them laying on the counter of the PX back there. With your hat back there, too? No, no, I lost my hat in the dark. I fell. I suppose that's why your uniform's muddy and your jacket's torn. Oh, yes, yes, that's right, of course. I uh, was walking along the edge of the road and I slipped in the dark. And I slid halfway down the embankment before I could stop. I see you managed to hang on to your bag. Oh, yeah, I can't afford to lose that. It's important. I'm late as it is. What outfit you from? Third Recon, 7th Division Infantry. Infantry? Well, artillery up this way. The infantry stationed about seven miles back. You're heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, well, Third Recon is a special detachment. We're off in the hills, all by ourselves. It's just off this road. I've heard of it before. My name's Connolly. Larry Connolly. What's yours? Oh, thanks. Mine's Richard Dombrowski. Good to know you, Dombrowski. Uh-huh. Say, look, if you can let go of that bag long enough, I'll let you wear my gloves till your hands warm up. Oh, no. Thanks. That's all right. I'll put them in my pockets. Say, is it okay if I set my bag on the floor? Oh, sure. No sweat. Mm-hmm. 
Say, you don't have a cigarette, do you? I'm fresh out. Well, I don't know. I... Wait a minute. Yeah, here's some. Uh, let me light it for you, though. You watch the road. I saw a whole truckload of troops disappear over that curve up ahead. Killed all but two. Yeah? When well, uh, that happened? 1951. 1951? Yep. You were here when the war was on. I guess you could say that. Tell me, Dombrowski, what were you doing Christmas Day? Bet they didn't send you all the way to Seoul with an empty truck on a wild goose chase. <laughs> That's what I did today. What did you do seven years ago? Well, you see those lights up ahead? That's the village of Chungju-ri. We marched through there the day before Christmas. Were you scared? Oh, I think everybody's scared. Hey, hey, look out. You'll burn yourself. What's the matter? Cigarette burned all the way down to your fingers. Oh. Isn't it burning you? Well, that? No, no. I, I guess it burned itself out before it got to my skin. Anyway, you see that hill over there? Well, Christmas Day, 1951, my platoon was all dug in around that hill. No kidding. Mm-hmm. We went out on a patrol from that hill. And that was one time I was plenty scared. As a matter of fact, it happened just seven years ago tonight. It hadn't snowed that day, but there was snow on the ground. I can remember because the guys were joking that at least we had a white Christmas. And what a Christmas it was. As I said, it was quiet. Christmas Day, 1951. We were sitting around in our holes waiting for the fun which we knew would begin the next day. They'd managed to get hot turkey up to us, so we were relatively comfortable and happy until Brownie, our squad leader, came back from a talk with the old man. All right, I'll take the first five. The old man wants us to go out and have a look around. Come on, come on, come on knock it off. Get rid of your dog tags and canteens. Anything that might rattle or make a noise. We won't be gone long, but we're moving light. Hey, Whitey, might as well leave your helmet here. We want to move quiet. But, Sarge, it's too cold to go out without a hat. Ah, cut the comedy, Walker. We moved out on schedule just as night was falling. And with the night came the cold. We moved rapidly along the valley for about an hour or so when Brownie stopped and raised his hand. All right, you men, hold it up. Once we get on the other side of that ridge up ahead, we'll observe maximum security. No talking, no lights. Keep down. And watch where you put your big clumsy feet. Yeah. These people just love tripwires with flares attached. Walker, you still got the walkie-talkie? If I didn't, I wouldn't be here to tell you about it. Uh -huh. Still working? It's warm, if that's what you mean. That's more than I can say for myself. All right, keep it that way. We may need it if we run into trouble. Hey, while we're here, let's take one last check on your gear. Make sure your rifle bolts aren't frozen, weapons on safety, and all grenades are secure in the pins. Okay, everybody set? Let's move out. And so we did move out. The M1 felt light in my hands, like I'd never realized how light and easy it was to carry a rifle before. The going was easy. The rice paddies were frozen over and covered with snow, and we stepped carefully between the clumps of rice stubble left over from the last harvest so the dry straw made no noise. We walked steadily, quietly, maybe 200 yards without a sound, regularly stepping up and over each low rice paddy wall as we came to it, each one bringing us just that much closer to the top. And then it happened. Hit! Don't! 
Somebody must have tripped the wire because suddenly the inky black was transformed into the merciless white of the operating table. Everything seemed stopped and slowed down, just like an old movie before the projector blows up. I could see the other guys, the hills, and the deadly, winking fires of the guns. And then we fell down to the protection of the earth. And some of us fell with metal in our bodies. Crawl, crawl, you apes! Crawl to the mud site and stay low. They can't hit us there. And we crawled, digging our knees and fingers into the frozen mud until they were bruised and torn. We crawled closer to the ground and faster than we ever had before. We crawled to the sanctuary of a foot-high mud hill. Keep your heads down. They got a sprint. It was about 150 yards to our front. Where's the other? Yeah, there's 200 yards to the left. They got us printed in a crossfire. We'll never get out of here. All right, all right. Now, don't panic. Keep your head down. We'll make it out. Walker, see if you can raise Lady Wolf on the walkie-talkie. Walker? Walker's laying out there in the middle of the paddy, Brownie. He's never going to have to worry about being warm again. Smith's out there, too. I saw him get it. I saw it when the flare went up. I saw him catch it in the face. Okay, okay, Harry, easy. He's still got the walkie-talkie. Can you see if it's all right? He's laying on it. It's hard to tell. Whitey, that flare is going to go out mighty quick. If a man was fast, he could probably streak out there and back before they put up another one. We can use that walkie-talkie to call up some artillery to get these monkeys off our back. I can't, Brownie. I must have been hit. I can't move my legs anymore. I, I can't even feel them. Easy. Are you bleeding bad? No. Harry, you all right? As far as I know. Stevens? Sure. I'd like to take a whirl at that walkie-talkie. Uh, wait till that flare burns out. It's dying now. Just a few more seconds. Go. By the time the flare lit the sky, Stevens was halfway back, the walkie-talkie dangling from his right hand. There, some huge, invisible hand slapped him to the ground. I'm hit. Oh, God, I'm hit. Easy, boy, quiet. Where'd they get you? I'm hit. I'm hit. Look him over, Harry. They busted his arm. See any other places? No, no, just his arm. Wrap a dressing around it and butt it inside his jacket. Hand me that walkie-talkie. It's no good, Brownie. The walkie-talkie smashed. What? It's useless. We're going to have to move out of here fast. Well, how are we going to pull out? We can't crawl back down the paddy. They'll slaughter us. All right, all right, look. We'll move along the dike to the edge of the rice paddy. From there, we can duck into the underbrush and move back down the mountain. We'll never make it. They'll spot us when we try to make it across the clearing to the underbrush. They'll swing their guns around. We gotta try it. We can't stay here. Stevens, can you crawl? Yeah, I can make it. Okay, now you lead off and I'll follow you. I'll crawl backwards and pull Whitey along behind me. Whitey? You heard me. Well, we'll never make it with... Quiet! All you have to do, Harry, is follow along behind and pick up the pieces. Take his weapon. It'll make him lighter. Keep your hands off me, Harry. Come on, Whitey. We have any time to fool around. I'm not fooling. I'm not going with you guys. Come on. You lost too much blood already. That's just it. Like you said, Brownie, it's only a matter of time. You can't get anywhere with me. You'll never even get past the clearing trying to drag me across. You're smart enough to know that, Brownie. It'll be tough enough, even with two good legs. We're not leaving you here. That's what I figured you'd say, Brownie. I'm still in charge here. I figured you'd say that, too. Brownie, you see this grenade? It doesn't have any pin in it. The only thing that keeps the spring from kicking the clip off is my hand. Now get out of here, Brownie, before I let it go. Oh, why do you like... You want me to let loose of this grenade? Now prop that BAR up on the dike in front of me. And scatter the clips where I can get at them. I'll wait until you guys get to the edge of the paddy before I open up. Look, but maybe... I'm still holding the grenade, Brownie. Time is running out. 
You're going to have to hurry. I feel like I want to fall asleep, and I don't know how much longer I can stay awake. Just wish me a, a very Merry Christmas and beat it. Merry Christmas, Whitey. All right, you guys, what are you waiting for? Let's move out. See, that's right. This is Christmas. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see. What's the matter? Don't you people like Christmas carols? A machine gun fire always was better getaway music than Christmas carols. Above thy dark and dreaming. Whitey lay there until the others had crawled to the end of a low rice paddy wall. And then he threw his grenade. When it exploded, he opened up with a BAR, making enough noise to make the enemy think the patrol was launching an attack. Both machine gun nests zeroed in on him. But Whitey stayed well below the little mud wall of the rice paddy, humming his Christmas carol, loading the BAR with a fresh clip every time it went empty, and perhaps wondering briefly why he was going to die so far away from home. A little pond of frozen mud he didn't care about or even own. Still firing and singing, even after the rest of the squad had escaped into the underbrush until either the machine gunners found their mark or else he finally fell asleep. Gosh. He was quite a guy. No, I... guess it was just a detail that had to be done and he had to do it. Well, there's my stop right there where that little road turns off up ahead. There are detachments up that road? That's right, right at the end of it. Well, sure, I've seen that road before, but I didn't think there was anything up there. <laughs> well, just let me out here. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks a lot. No sweat. Say, uh, if you ever want to look me up, remember my outfit's all the way up at the end of this road. I'll be right up there. Okay, I'll drop in sometime. Right. So long, and thanks again. Figuring it would be a very cold day in Korea before I ever looked him up. Such a weird guy gave me the creeps. I got about five miles down the road when I discovered he'd left his bag sitting on the floor of the deuce and a half. Took a lot of arguing with myself, but uh, I decided that the only decent thing I could do was to swing around and take it back to him. Besides, maybe I could stop in the orderly room and check him out. Find out what his story really was. way back, I almost missed the road because it was so small and seldom used. I drove up it for about ten minutes. I was beginning to wonder if I hadn't gotten the wrong road after all. Because I passed no other vehicles or GIs or anything to indicate there was an infantry company around. Just when I was ready to turn back to the main road, I saw lights twinkling up ahead from what looked like a couple of Quonsets. It seemed impossible that an infantry outfit could be housed in two Quonsets, but I pulled a deuce and a half to a road outside the gate and cut off the motor. I picked up the AWOL bag, got out of the truck, trying to figure out which one was the orderly room. I walked across the hard-packed snow of the yard to the first Quonset. I still couldn't figure it out. Light and warmth seemed to pour from the windows along with the music I remembered from somewhere, but 
couldn't quite understand. I stepped up to the first window I came to and looked inside. There were kids all over the place, kids of all sizes and descriptions, kids just old enough to sit by themselves, kids just losing their first teeth, some just starting their teens. I stood in the snow spellbound, just watching them sink. Finally, I tore myself away and headed for the front door, eager to be inside. A plaque made out of the howitzer shell stopped me. In the faint light, I could just barely make out the words engraved on the polished brass. But finally, I read it all. It said, This orphanage has been erected and maintained in the memory of Corporal Richard Whitey Dombrowski, who somewhere north of the village of Chungju Ri, Christmas night, 1951, willingly gave his life that others might live. Suddenly, I didn't know where I belonged anymore. The AWOL bag dragged at the end of my arm like a thousand-pound weight. I could figure what was in it, but I tore it open anyway. A bag full of candy, soap, and toothpaste and gum shined up at me, looking as rich and rare as frankincense and myrrh. I closed the bag, laid it up against the door, close, so they wouldn't miss it. And then I banged on the door as loud and long as I could, until I was sure that they heard me. And then I ran. I ran back down the road to my truck as fast and as hard as I could. Suspense. You've been listening to a Korean Christmas Carol written for suspense by George Bamber. Heard in tonight's story were Bill Lipton as Larry Connolly and Lyle Sudrow as Richard. Also heard were Larry Robinson, Lawson Zerby, Bill Meader, Alan Manson, and Guy Rett. Listen again next week when we return with Moonlight Sail, written especially for suspense by William N. Robeson. Another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. And that's Suspense from December 20th, 1959, with a Korean Christmas Carol starring Bill Lipton, as heard on CBS. Stick around. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? The Jack Benny Program. X minus one. Suspense. Now you can receive ten classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first ten classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select ten more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. Now back to the best in classic radio 
on Hollywood 360. Next week, we'll celebrate Christmas with Casey Crime Photographer, Fibber McGee and Molly, The Cavalcade of America, The Greatest Story Ever Told, The Burns and Allen Show, and Dragnet. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.